The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 3. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's King Lear with me, your host, Connor Henmerty. Barely 50 lines into the first act of this play, we have a king abdicating and dividing his kingdom and making his daughters compete for their shares of this broken realm. The contest is all set up and Lear has invited Goneril, his oldest daughter, to speak first. And she does. Sir, I love you more than words can wield the matter, dearer than eyesight, space and liberty, beyond what can be valued rich or rare, no less than life, with grace, health, beauty, honour, as much as child e'er loved or father found, a love that makes breath poor and speech unable, beyond all manner of so much, I love you. It's up to the actor and director to decide how long Goneril takes to come up with this speech. Certainly, she says all the right things. She says she loves Lear more than words can express or wield the matter. To her, he is dearer than eyesight, space and liberty. Now this is a brilliant little hint from Shakespeare. By the end of the play, characters in this very scene will have lost all of these things. Listen out for the play's fixations on eyesight, land and freedom. Goneril goes on that her love is beyond what can be valued rich or rare. She loves her father beyond all things. She values him as much as life itself, no less, and equates her love for him with other abstract concepts of great things, like grace, health, beauty and honour. Again, These are all things that this play will trample. She says she loves Lear as much as child e'er loved, as much as any child ever loved a parent. This line now has a variety of endings. It could be, or father found. She loves him as much as ever any child loved a parent or any father found or received such love. The Oxford Shakespeare instead suggests that found is a mistake and that it should read as much as child heir loved or father, friend. As if to say that Goneril loves him as much as any child or parent or even friend has ever loved anyone. A love, she continues, that makes breath poor and speech unable. This is a clever move. She loves him so much that she's short of breath and can barely speak. It's beyond what she's physically capable of expressing. Clever girl. At this breathless point, she concludes, Beyond all manner of so much, I love you. Beyond any possible way of saying so much, that's how much she adores her father. It's a very well-constructed sentence, because it's just weird enough to make us pay attention and allows Goneril to end with the same three words she started with. I love you. For anyone new to the play, this is surely very convincing. This is a strong competitor who makes a beautiful speech. Who wouldn't be moved? The one voice of dissent is Cordelia, her younger sister. But Cordelia doesn't interrupt proceedings. Instead, she speaks to us in the audience as an aside. What shall Cordelia do? Love and be silent. It was an accepted notion that we say the least to those we love the most. I think it can still tend to be quite true. 
Cordelia is absolutely no nonsense. She certainly loves her father, but is not terribly convinced by this rhetorical flourish from her older sister. Their father, however, swallows it hook, line and sinker. Pointing to the map, he proclaims, Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, with shadowy forests and with champagnes riched, with plenteous rivers and wide-skirted meads, we make thee lady. To thine and Albany's issue be this perpetual. What says our second daughter, our dearest Regan, wife to Cornwall? Speak. So, Goneril's reward is to be made lady of a large portion of Britain. Lear could point to the lines on the map, or indeed draw them on himself. Goneril is getting shadowy forests and rich champagnes, or expanses of open country. She's doing well, certainly. In her portion there are also plenteous rivers and expansive meadows, wide-skirted meads. This is rich country. Wood from the forests, fertile plains and meadows for crops or grazing, and plenteous rivers for water and maybe even fish. It's a great reward. Lear bestows in perpetuity to Goneril's children with Albany. This is another key issue of the play, whether any of Lear's daughters will have heirs of their own. For now, Goneril can grin at her success while Lear turns directly to Regan. What says our second daughter, he asks. He does qualify that it is our dearest Regan, wife to Cornwall, and urges her to speak. And this is what she says. Sir, I am made of the self-same metal that my sister is, and prize me at her worth. In my true heart I find she names my very deed of love, only she comes too short. That I profess myself an enemy to all other joys which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find I am alone felicitate in your dear highness love. Goneril set the bar high with her speech, and so now Regan feels she has to outdo her. Like another trained orator, she first establishes herself as her sister's equal. I am made of the self-same metal that my sister is, and, she says, she considers herself her match in this, and prize me at her worth so that she can guarantee she gets at least the same as Goneril. So far, so humble. But it also allows her to start at the same point of loving flattery where Goneril concluded. Regan insists that what Goneril said is exactly how she feels. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. It's the Shakespearean equivalent of what she said. But, and here's Regan's flourish, she continues to say, only she comes too short. Goneril hasn't said enough. Regan loves her father even more, to the extent that she professes herself an enemy to all other joys that we humans can appreciate. She's really over-egging this pudding, describing the most precious square of sense, the human capacity for feeling, or sensing things, which is of course precious, and she is insisting that any joy that our senses can possess or feel is no good to her, an enemy indeed. And as a final flourish, Shakespeare makes up a word, felicitate, to insist that Regan is only made happy by her dear father's love. 
It's based on the Latin for made happy, but this is the only time Shakespeare used it. It's a smug little flourish for Regan, who has all but trounced Goneril, and may well eat into Cordelia's share if this speech has worked. Again, it's Cordelia who now responds, speaking directly to us in the audience. Then poor Cordelia. And yet not so, since I am sure my love's more richer than my tongue. It's quite a rueful interjection. Poor Cordelia, she calls herself both for sympathy and for the potential financial implications. If Regan's flattery has worked, Lear might give her everything. But Cordelia corrects herself with a nice little antithesis. She's not poor, because her love for her father is surely richer than whatever words her tongue might produce. We turn back to Lear himself to see what he's going to give Regan. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity and pleasure than that conferred on Goneril. As expected, he gives her a decent portion, an ample portion, of the three divisions he has made, no less in size, value and pleasure than what he gave to Goneril. For all that, we get a sense that the remaining third probably the lion's share, is still reserved for Cordelia. Remember, this is all a surprise. It might have been assumed that the kingdom would be divided in two, but not three. So now Regan and Goneril are standing looking at significantly smaller inheritances on this map. And here they all are gathered, perhaps, to celebrate Cordelia's impending marriage and her triumph. Cordelia is indeed about to get a third as we will hear next time, more opulent than her sisters. Needless to say, things can't possibly go that smoothly, but you'll have to tune in next week to hear just how badly wrong it's going to go. Thank you, as always, for your company, and I'll speak to you next time.